everybody. Welcome to the Chica Next Coven. It has sure been a long time since we have been blessing you all. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, blessing you all, but it's been a long time since, at least it's been a while since we have connected and we want to welcome you all here to our our platform. And like we always say, we want to welcome you with open hearts and open minds and we can't wait to have this dialogue with you. We took some much needed time um, because September was very difficult for both of us and we are just super giddy right now so <laughs> we're a little dysregulated. It could be a little bit of wine we have, but <laughs> I think it's excitement because we're together yeah it's like I don't know it's so beautiful um, when you have that friend that you can be in their presence and it's all light it's like light magic it's all beauty and I'm just grateful that we survived September yes. and we're surviving 2020 a day at a time and when we started this podcast it was during monsoon mm -hmm. in the summer and you were a teacher so you were off and I was off from school but I was teaching and our lives looked completely different than what they look like now most definitely I think going to this whole check-in piece, we um, we wanted to just take a moment to, to tell our fans and our followers, and we say fans and followers, because I was sharing with Michelle that I have a really loyal second period class that follows our <laughs> podcast series. Which, like, at first, I didn't know how to react to that, but especially knowing that they can listen to the Brotherhood episode, and they got a little bit too much of Miss Medina, so they probably couldn't handle, but it's okay. Um, it's just, it makes my heart happy to know that we do have people out there who are supporting and who are listening and we haven't forgot about you. You've been, you've been with us in our darkest struggles that we have gone through within the last month and um, you're here with us today and we just got to tell you how much we love and appreciate you. Yeah, I think um, when Tiffany and I started this, so I've had this idea that um, I am happiest when I'm doing something artistic and multimedia like rela related. And I told Tiffany, like, I wanna be behind the scenes because I've done some editing in the past and you and someone else can host it. And Tiffany's like, no, this is our thing. Like we host it together. And we started this to really just document um, our conversations. We never claimed that this was any kind of um, sacred work or circle or healing circle or therapy or activism. We just started this to just truly have conversations with one another that we could look back on and remember these crazy times. And we never could have anticipated that people would listen to the degree that they listen. Like we've gotten some beautiful emails and Facebook messages and text messages and friends that I couldn't even imagine would reach back out to me and have asked like, when are we coming back? Will there be another season? Because you guys are speaking things that uh, resonate with me. And I just want to thank everyone that writes us. For sure. I wanted to take a moment to share with you all a little, a little snippet of an, of an email that we have received. But before I say that, I want to tell you all that um, taking this time away from our podcast was really hard because I, you know, I, I, just like Michelle, we both had gone into this with the intentions of healing ourselves. 
more than, you know, than anything else because we, we needed an outlet. And I, I knew that like, I wanted to come into this work thinking about and carrying my daughter into it. And because, you know, we're going we're gonna to hit on this topic later on in, in the episode, but just being a woman in a patriarchal society is, is painful. And just knowing that the things that Michelle and I have gone through combined is, is enough to like break anybody. And, and I want to come back in, into a space stronger and understanding that my obligation, if anybody, is to my daughter. And this is why I'm here. And of course, to Michelle, because we have this friendship and it's, we want to continue on with this work with y'all. So anyway, I wanted to mention this. I want to read what she said. A listener had told us, you mentioned that raising a daughter gives you an enormous responsibility. Knowing her voice matters. That is so important if we want our girls to be strong and accept the challenge of the naysayers. It filled my heart with joy and hope to see that you and Michelle are able to say out loud those ideas that my generation struggled voicing. The two of you talk so openly and unapolog unapologetically that your fearlessness is so inspiring to my generation and will be for your daughters. Oh. I, that one, uh, when we got that email, I think it shook us both to our core because I didn't think that someone would listen to our word, our words. And as sad as it sounds, like I think we are oftentimes dismissed so easily uh, for just being ourselves. Like, and we are in this space and just being unapologetically like our goofy, nerdy selves, talking about books and talking about all these things that we value. And I didn't think someone would read it and take the time out of their day to write. So I'm just super grateful. Um, I also want to say shout out to my friends in Phoenix in the Valley. Um, a friend um, who will remain anonymous mentioned to me that listening to this podcast has made her, inspired her to go back to therapy after a long time because Tiffany disclosed that she was a survivor of sexual violence in the episode on trauma. And she said, quote, I aspire to be like Tiffany. I want to own that I went through this in my life and want to eventually be able to speak about being a survivor because she had suppressed it for so many years and it was like she had buried it. Even though we know that the trauma lives in the body, she had buried it. So that was another one that like, tears at me and makes me think we shouldn't you know we shouldn't like just wrap this up just because of COVID because it was just a COVID thing that one's like the one that gets me um, when I heard that I was shocked because these are literally just conversations that Tiffany and I are having and sharing with you all but that one was very special do you want to share any other ones um I was trying to find another one give me a moment I can come back to that but I want to I want to hit on what you just shared with everybody um I, I'm going to be really candid with you guys, and I think it resonates a lot of reasons why I was, like, falling off the face of the earth within the last month, because it's, like, uh, my body goes into uh, shock, it, though it's not a drastic reaction, but it definitely starts to go into this mode of, like, pain and sadness, and it starts about a month before, you know, October and October is not a really happy month for me as much as I try to make connections with, you know, Halloween and having two children and trying to like reassociate this time of the year as happy and 
and spooky, like my son says, is the spooky time, but <laughs> I, I still can't seem to shake it off, even if it's been so long. But um, just recognizing my own my own emotional and physical responses to my trauma is really really important to me. And, and I, I do want to give shout outs to my friends, Michelle and Jessica, who know this about me. Like they they're intuitive to know that oh Tiffany's not responding or Tiffany's not getting back to me something's not right but then also making the connection to oh yes october's around the corner maybe we should do a check-in so check-ins with your friends y'all are super important because i know that i may not be the best at responding back and communicating but i also know that i have a support system and a, and a network of friends who really close friends who understand the reasons why and so i give your friend a lot of credit for wanting to heal and take the time to heal and revisit that healing because and that's part of the reasons why we had to take a break. I mean, that's at least on my end, along with other things. Yeah, shout out to Jessica. We have to have her back if there's another season. Um, I love her. Uh, yeah, I texted her. I was like, Tiffany's worrying me. <laughs> um, she's off the face of the earth, and I know she was uh, having a bad day yesterday because we are survivors, you know? And I think, to be candid, September was it decimated me. It was, I think I hit my, I tend to be a very optimistic person. I tend to be like focused on the glass half full and all the privileges that I have and <clears throat> the fact that I've survived a lot and I'm still going and I find a lot of reward in my students and teaching and mentoring and then in my work. And I try to find as much reward as I can in what I do, but September just annihilated me. I felt the darkest I felt ever because I I tend to be like that toxic high functioning person. Um, so even when my anxiety is at its worst, I cope by doing things. And I and it's good to tell your friends that because like um, I was just sharing with Tiffany that I in October I've had this epiphany of slowing down, slowing down because yeah, I mean September was just like. Let me just do more and do more and do more. Um, yeah, I'm a fixer. I like to fix things. And um, my social work training kicks in. I'm like, let's make a plan. Let's make an intervention. And I realized, like, it's been, what, seven months or however long of quarantine. And that's not going to work. And I think that's, like, something where a lot of us are contending with is that the things that keep us afloat normally are right now that we're in quarantine are, are not sufficient, you know? And like, for me, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm doing all of the things that I normally do, but it's not enough. And like, I think it was a dark month for me and of course for you as well. And we had to take a break and step back because um, we were so vulnerable in some of the episodes. Like we put so much out there and I, for starters, I mean, I've written stuff and put stuff out there in writing. I don't use a pen name. I use myself and I put it out. But for whatever reason, like I have a whole new respect of people who are vulnerable and put things out into the universe because like I felt raw. I don't know if you went through that, but like I was like our first few episodes were so raw. Like I was like I felt stripped naked and I felt like I needed time to process. I agree. And I want to also be candid about Michelle and I, we went through an interesting pattern, right? Like, and, and there's no animosity. Like, Michelle and I had nothing but straight love and respect, but just 
like the ripple effect of of the struggle that we had and how it bled into our friendship. Yeah. And then then I had revelations about our dynamic, which was a trip because you just said, like you're the high functioning, I'm the low functioning. <laughs> Don't I'm say the, that. No, it's true. Like I am the one who like what you withdraw. Know, yeah, withdrawing. I'm withdrawing I I I recluse, I like hide, I I seek solace in nature and sometimes I seek solace in, in self doubt and pity and yeah, it's, it's toxic. It's very toxic, yeah. and I had that revelation myself that I need to. I I mean, withdrawing is okay. Withdrawing, withdrawing is okay to take care of yourself, but not to go down these spirals of yeah, self hate, self doubt, all these things that are like detrimental to my psyche. Yeah, um, and then when we connected, it's like damn. I know. You and I were not on the same page because you and I were processing differently. differently. Yeah. That is, and I just have so much more love and respect for you coming out of that because I'm like, we're so different. Like right now, we just took an updated picture to drop to say to say our like goodbye, you know, for October, and we, you know, because this was always supposed to end in October, so we took an updated picture, and I was telling Tiffany like, we're so different. Uh, we're so different from you know your straight, beautiful, long hair to my like swirls of curly, crazy hair, and we're so different. <laughs> And, uh, but we cope differently too. And I just, um, I'm, I'm very toxic. We, this is the whole theme of this podcast. We are light and dark and I am only the light because I'm also the dark. And it's like that shadow work of knowing that you're dark and knowing that high functioning people are still extremely toxic. And so for me, I like to move into action and it's, it's problematic and I, sh I think it's, it makes sense that you were withdrawing and I was like, what do we need to do? Like, how can we make this better? And I, I knew October is really difficult on you. So I was like, what are we gonna do, Tiffany? Like, do we need to meet again? Do we need to record? And we were just on different pages. And for me, I love to finish things, wrap them up and put a bow on them. And like, I love deadlines. <laughs> I do love Christmas, and I love deadlines. I love forced timelines. I'm like, <laughs> I'm just, um, I, I do, I admit it, I'm so toxic. That's why I love Buddhism, because it forces me to sit, sit still, which is the most painful thing for me. And um, there's also Shempa in Buddhism, which is what hooks you. What, you know, it's like this thing that hooks you, and it triggers you, and I definitely had triggers in September. But then, like, Tiffany and I were not on the same page, and we just, like, took a break. Yeah, we took a break, and we had a moment where we were like, we are not processing the same. And I don't know. I just love you. I just think you're, we're so different. And, and I just, like, you're such a light in my life. And is someone really your sister if you don't want to strangle them? <laughs> called me out on my Leoness because I was like, oh, I got this wine. And I was just like, coincidentally, it's named after me. <laughs> You're like, that was not a coincidence. <laughs> so I was like, oh, look. That's my name. We can drink to that. So, um, I wanted to go back to something that you had said about toxicity. And I, I know that maybe 
I mean, being low functioning can also be toxic, and being unreliable is obviously toxic. Like, I know that. I didn't call you unreliable. Okay. My friendship with Colton and Jessica, that I equally have let you all down in various shapes and forms because I couldn't step up to it because I couldn't even step up to myself. And that's how I've always been. It's really, it's really frustrating because I find myself getting to those positions where like I, I want to and I want to be there and then I'm like, damn, I can't even like roll out of bed or I can't even like have positive interactions with my children. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like there's things that I can't even step up for within my own home. Uh, there's there's sure as hell no way I can do it for anybody else, you know? Yeah. For myself, too. But that's not who you are. That no. That's maybe who you who you become at moments, yeah. but there's a difference between, like, acknowledging and shame. You know, shame is like, this is, I'm such a bad, unreliable person when I'm like this, and, like, that's not at all what you're about at all. You're, like, this incredible teacher. By the way, this is also partially why I wanted this podcast. I was like, I'm going to gas up Tiffany. You're going to be this, you know, bad, badass, like, host. And I didn't want to be a part of it. But (laughs) here I am. But, like, um, no, that's not who you are. So shame is, like, when you attribute your, like, maladaptive behaviors or, you know, like, problematic behaviors. And you're like, wow, I'm such a bad person for X, Y, and Z. Versus saying, like, sometimes in October, I can become this person. (laughs) and it's true it's pretty it's pretty heartbreaking but um we're here to reclaim it do that reclaiming it's constant yeah yeah so like the um the Shenpa, I feel, is, like, that hook in Buddhism. And, like, I, I had all these tests in September, and I failed them all. And then it was weird for me because I never just walk away. Like I said, I like to tie things up with a bow, and I was like, Tiffany, we have to finish this. Let's record the end. And we instead, we were both, like, surrendered. And that's what you do in, like, Buddhism. You surrender to the moment. And I feel like we both surrendered, and we took a month off. And it has taught me so much about my toxicity. Like, it's taught me to slow down in so many things like I can't even stress like just I was having a conversation with my husband this morning about all these things that I'm slowing down that I'm like this is not going to be met this is not going to be met this is deadline's not going to be met and I think that that's part of the lesson of 2020 this is me bringing it back to October and um, spooky season I think if 2020 has taught me anything is just like I have to give myself grace I'm doing the best I can. I'm surviving a pandemic. I'm juggling all these things. You are too. You're a teacher. You're a mother. You're all like we're doing the best we can. Definitely, I know that this quarantine has, or now I can't even say quarantine because we're back in school, hybrid style. But um, it's this journey has definitely taught me to unlearn my withdrawing ways and to advocate for it and it's funny because my students will probably like if they're listening they'll think I'm a hypocrite so I'm always telling them to advocate for themselves but the truth of the matter is like sometimes it's just really hard and um I know that that's one of the things that I'm trying to change about myself is to advocate that I'm not well today or I'm not okay today and I've had a lot of those days back in September and definitely bleeding over to October and yeah
Yeah, I mean, we're a walking contradiction, I think. I mean, I've embraced that. I mean, I know I'm like really toxic. And even as a social worker, I was like, oh my God, I'm putting these things on service plans. I should do them myself. But like, I try my best, but even then, you know, um, shout out to CB from our episode on decolonizing mental health because she took me on one of her barefoot walks, barefoot hikes in Sedona, and that really recentered me. And but you're right, like sometimes we don't take our own advice. Like I'm great at taking care of the people around me in my life, but and we've had we both had health issues in September to top it all off. And sometimes I'm not the worst at advocating for my own health or myself. It's just the worst, but. We're here. And we are here, and we're happy that we can at least give you all a, a closing and let you know what had happened with us and that the work's not over. We, we definitely have plans on continuing on. So. Yeah, I think so. I think, well, we'll see where we are for the next time we're both free, which apparently we like to take on projects when we're the most free <laughs> and then we don't realize. One of my favorite comments from you was, I think it was, you know, before everything had fallen through and you had to take a step away and I asked you, so what's our schedule going to be like? And you were like, um, we don't have a schedule. We're following the cycle of the moon. <laughs> we're following the energy. We're following the energy. Yeah, I think I just surrendered at that point, and I was like, oh, my God, Tiffany's back teaching. This is, like, it's a whole nother ball game. Because our life looked different in the summer. It I really did. 20, 2020 is wild because it feels in so many ways that we are moving, like we're not moving. We're not moving. But yet in other ways, it feels like the year has flown by, and now we're here, October. I know. Which then brings us to <laughs> November. <laughs> Which then I have a question for you all. You ready for this? <laughs> what do y'all think about WAP? <laughs> WAP. That whack ass patriarchy. <laughs> She's been waiting all night for this. Oh my gosh. Michelle and I low-key wanted to play the instrumental music and be like, there's some witches in, in this house. house. Yeah. We, we, we should re- We can remaster it. Uh, no, seriously, though. It's a legit question. <laughs> yeah. What are y'all, how y'all feeling about that whack-ass patriarchy? Like, Michelle and I were having a conversation, and it, it's just relevant. Like, we have to talk about this. Like elections are around the corner. It's how many days away now? I lost count. It's super close. No, it's the twenty third when we're recording this. Okay, you can go ahead and finish your list. What were you gonna say to Michelle? Ten days. Exactly ten days. Yeah, from this day. Um, I. I believe you said something along the lines that you're so tired. Yes, I'm effing tired of this. Um, so to people, I don't even understand the violence that this administration has enacted on trans people. I know that as a feminine presenting cis woman, um, I won't get into and I have a lot of privileges, but I could not imagine the violence enacted on 
just trans people and to be honest i think women in general women of color indigenous women like this is just all horrible and the future of reproductive rights looks very bleak um someone is about to uh serve on the supreme court for a lifetime <laughs> but all to say that i absolutely hate the two-party system in this country i have feel i have felt that this whole campaign is a lot of constant microaggressions on uh, people who have just been disenfranchised, so people with felony records that cannot vote because their rights have been ripped away from them because of the school-to-prison pipeline and also because of the prison industrial complex and then also our undocumented community. Like, I hate this time of year because I feel that it's just constant aggression again like the whole vote 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 like all the time and i'm like are you ready to have that conversation with someone if they're like hey you know what i can't vote i got my rights taken from me because i sold weed and which by the way now people walk into banks and get loans to do so i feel like there's just a lot of microaggressions against people whose rights to vote have been ripped away from them and then on top of that I was raised, in, I was registered independent for a long time. I changed it in the last Senate race, but like my values are not reflected in the two party system. Like I'm just voting for harm reduction at this point. <laughs> How do you feel as a teacher? Um, I'm pissed <laughs> all the time. And mostly because I want to have these conversations. My students want to have these conversations and I'm censored. Like, right. We got, we got a, we got a notice from our administration at our staff meeting that we are not, we can't shut our views. We, and we can talk about it, we can present it, we can have people discuss it, but we're not allowed to share our views. And I'm like standing on the side of the spectrum, like, oh hell no. Like, I, my kids need to see me dismantle supremacy, white supremacy. My kids need to see me dismantle patriarchy. Like, it, it's, it's too, it's, there's too much at stake. It's really frustrating that I'm put into this box of how I have to handle myself. And then, like, having to contend with, like, being a woman in a workplace that is known as, like, the boys club. I feel like I'm just so, I feel like I'm fighting through a lot of bullshit, honestly. And it's really frustrating. And a lot of it ties back, like, we don't think about it, but we, it all ties back to the elections. It all ties back to the foundations of our country. And it all ties back to, like, colonialism, like, I did pick to my credit I picked the acronym for the episode name but then Tiffany actually made the the word so which is against the patriarchy because <laughs> that's an that's an the note to um Alexandra Ocasio-Ortez because she said Women Against the Patriarchy um, is, is the new WAP, so I was like, witches. But, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I just hate this time of year. Um, the only thing that I like is being able to vote locally, like uh, Gabriela Cáceres Kelly, who's on the ballot, the, who's an indigenous woman for recorder, you know, Andres Cano, who's openly... Um, an openly gay man as a rep. Like, this is just myself here in Arizona in my district. Of course, Darlene Santa Cruz, um, but she wasn't on the ballot this time, but for city ward. And so I do believe that locally, they ha it has a lot of power to vote, you know, locally. 
But the problem is when we get into the presidential because the electoral college and the two-party system, it doesn't reflect our values, I'm sorry. And I am happy for my friends that are Southeast Asian or that are black women who may find themselves represented in, in uh, VP candidate Kamala Harris. I respect it. I understand. I respect it. I had my moment where I'm like, I see myself represented. And then that, that like went away <laughs> because she was a prosecutor, you know, and she was a prosecutor and I cannot align myself with a cop. I don't believe that you can uh, in any way prosecute our communities um, and want the and want dignity and want the best for them. I just don't. It's she's a cop to me. But I understand what's at stake if Trump were to be reelected. And so I understand why people are so like aggressive about voting. I just think that like people take it to an, an extreme. Like they're not cognizant of how um, it can be painful to other people who can't vote to constantly hear that messaging. I, it's not, so my story's not directly related to the elections, but there's a, there's a parallel to the suppression. Um, I, I want to share with you all that this, this last week during fall break, I have to take my certification test to be a history teacher because Mexican American studies within the district I teach at does not it's not labeled as English, it's labeled as history. And I have a certification in English. So I spent, you know, a good two months studying for this exam, took money out of my pocket for this exam. Um, I drove myself to Phoenix because it's impossible. So I drove up to Phoenix to go take my test. I never thought twice that I needed to carry any type of other identification with me because I've taken my GRE and I've taken the U.S. Constitutions and History course with my current name as is. So I go out to uh, Maricopa County <laughs> and I'm checking in and the lady immediately reacts to me in a way that shocked me because she accused me of um, stealing an identity because the name on the system, which I had registered the test, was not the name, the same name that's on my ID. Mind you, all, like, I, have, I got married, right? So my name had changed. Um, but I was taken aback because how was I allowed to take my GRE and my U.S. Constitution's test with the, with the same name? Like nothing, you know, this was like years ago and not, not, nothing was ever said to me. So I go through the process of trying to explain to her what's going on. And then she had asked me, well, do you have your marriage license on you to prove that she got married? And I laugh. I'm like, you have your marriage license on you? Like, you marriage license? Like, Is your master here? Yeah. It was several miles away. Yeah, like, a city away. I'm going to miss my test slot. So she proceeds to call up the, the testing organization to report, like, what's going on with me. I got cited for uh, name, what is it called? Identity theft. I got sent for identity theft and I was dismissed. And then on the whole way back, I was like, you know what? Like, excuse my language, but I was just like, nah, fuck this shit. The only point I'm like, That's the wine. You know, I had to adhere to these freaking patriarchal values, values of like changing my name. Like, yeah. You know, had I just stayed with my maiden name, like, this would never happen. Anyway, so I ended up going down like pity lane and like. I was there. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the passenger seat. <laughs>
Yeah. It's not the same thing, but it's related to the fact that, like, I felt criminalized because I had a surname change, like one name change, and I still had my I still had Melibas there. But anyway, um, so going back to these concepts of like rules and yeah, who, who creates these rules? Like, I know I'm such a nerd. I was about to like mention Foucault, um, <laughs> Michelle Foucault, and like. You know, just like we're constantly under surveillance yes. and living in this society that's like this panopticon. <laughs> I mean, honestly, we're constantly surveilled and we alter our behavior around this surveillance. And that was what you experienced as a person with status, right? Yes. But like it could have ended if you didn't. Yes. Some An accusation like that could, if you weren't documented, that's it. You know, like exactly. you don't need a warrant to pick up someone. You just that's undocumented. You can just pick them up and put them in the. So, um, how free do you feel, Tiffany? <laughs> I'm shaking my head here, like violently. Yeah. No, I don't, and and that's my other frustration. Like going back to this whole concept of patriarchy, and I want to touch base with this with you, all of you because, well, even with Michelle, because I, I'm at this this point in my life where like I'm not scared maybe I'm still angry mm-hmm. but I feel like I I just you know the, the experience that I have gone through happened at the hands of men and I find myself like angry for being a woman and it's such mm-hmm. a messed up thing to say a woman it's so <laughs> exhausting being a woman mm-hmm. and I don't know if that's messed up or not to say maybe you should say <laughs> I mean, it's your truth. It's your truth. If we're being truly vulnerable um, here, you have been like hypersexualized, even for looking the way that you do as a cis woman. And as I have too, you know, um, I've been a researcher and been in interviews with that end in a way that a, a male researcher would not experience, right? And like you just told me something before we started recording about like, the hot teacher, right? Like just because of your body, your figure, um, and the things that you tell me that you experience at your job, it's just like I'm flabbergasted. Like it's just so disgusting because an exceptional teacher um, shouldn't experience that, but a male doesn't experience that. They don't have to be policed about what they wear, like none of that. Like I've had all of that. It's really disgusting. Like I've and that's what that's what's infuriating to me is. You know, we deal with this at a, I guess as a, at a micro level, right? I mean, this is within a community. Mm-hmm. And then we look at it through the lens of our country. Yeah. Like our leader right now, who, not my leader, but the leader mm-hmm. of the, our country, it, he perpetuates the same. Oh my behavior. God. It's, it's, it's accepted and, and it's, it's exhausting. It's like, you know, yeah. I have to deal with this in my community. I have to deal with this in my work. I have to deal with this. In my family, yeah, not my intermediate family, but my extended family, and I'm tired. Yeah, I really am. And um, and then, and I think like just what you went through, it just goes to show like the two party system is laughable, right? Like you, we're we're not represented by the the Democrats anymore. We're literally voting just for harm reduction at this point. We're voting for our locals, of course, and then at the presidential level, like we're just voting for harm reduction, even though Arizona we know is 
predominantly a red state. But I think for you, for both of us, like it's laughable to think that we're watching these debates and that we see ourselves like it's literally heteropatriarchy in the flesh when I tune into the debates. Even when you see um, Kamala Harris, like she has to look a certain way. She has to be cis, wear her pantsuit. She has to be impeccable to pass. You know, like she is not us, right? Like she can't be us. She has to be groomed to be this perfect Democratic VP candidate. And it just goes to show like at the local level, we're more affected by local politics, even though everyone gets on the presidential train, we're actually more affected by local politics. Yeah. And I think your experience like being criminalized like that definitely like is a great example of that. So do you want to talk about your story with your last name? That I chose to. So when I, when I had gotten married, when I got married, I, I was under the impression that we have the choice to put our name however we want, right? Right. So I had gone to the Social Security office to change my name to have it hyphenated. And the lady there fought me on my choice to have my name hyphenated. She's like, you can't have it hyphenated. You can make Mendeleza middle, sorry. You can make Mendeleza middle name and Munoz will be your last name. I'm like, well, it's not what I want. And she's like, well, it's all I can do for you. What? And I was, I was like, the hell? So anyway, I go into teaching. So after I got married, I had my, when I had my son, I got married. I went into teaching that following school year. And I never chose to go by Munoz. I'd rather be called Mendeleza. And um, from one who, you know, is my husband, didn't necessarily understand why. Like, I could tell it kind of, like, hurt him. Because I decided, like, I don't want to be called Munoz. And I told him, it's like, you know, that's that's not my name. Like, that's your name. And why do I have to carry your name? And then I started thinking about more and more. Like, when I started to understand patriarchy more and, and aspects of my marriage, I was like, no. Like, you know, you didn't give birth to me. My mama did. You ate my mama. <laughs> Kids would be like, so miss, you know, they would see a ring on my finger and they're like, Miss, are you married? I'm like, Yeah, and they're like, Well, why do you go by Miss? Like, why don't you go by Miss? The kids would the kids say this, and I'm just like, Um, because I'm choosing to uh, go by Mrs. Like, why is it that Miss has MS and MRS, but Mr. just has MR? Yeah, you know, why, like, why is it that women have changed so much about themselves? And that's what I'm going back to, right? So, um, at the school that at the school that I work at, I, um, I'm fighting my my administration, my <laughs> secretary. Like, please don't call me Munoz. Please call me Mendigas. And it's, it took a year for them to finally like acclimate to like, that's what I want to be called because because of my license, my teaching certificate it says Munoz, right? So like, therefore they don't. It messed everything yeah, up. Messed up everything. Um. So it's a whole unlearning. And my kids, in fact, right now we're learning about our womb land and our seed land. So. You know, but even more so, not just the womb land and seed land, like where our parents are from, but what indigenous group lives on that land and exists on that land. So I'm trying to like decolonize these ideas about um, cities and states and go back to like the caretakers of this earth. And they were shocked when I told them because on their schedules it says Munoz. And I'm like, yeah, I don't go by Munoz. Please call me Medivas. That's my preferred name. 
and I make it very clear, like, you have a preferred name, you please tell me so. And they do, right? So I'm like, okay, so if you want that, then I want that. And they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, it makes sense. It makes sense. I love that. Yeah, me too. So my, I didn't change my name for three years. And I didn't get married. I didn't have a religious wedding. I just went to the Justice of Peace. We uh, didn't have health insurance. We didn't have money. We had nothing. So we just did the Justice of the Peace. Uh And we didn't have money for a wedding. So, And now weddings don't mean anything to me. And I think that kind of speaks to your consciousness that, like, with feminism, we are a constant evolution. And there is a spectrum and waves of feminism. And, like, where you were when you were Miss Munoz isn't where you are now, right? And, yeah, and I don't believe in shaming people for where they are, for what they don't know, right? So I got married. I didn't wear white. I didn't – I rebelled against all kinds of religious symbolism, iconography. I do have a ring, and my husband has a ring, but I don't have diamonds. I don't believe in material accumulation of that sort, like with diamonds and jewelry. I don't believe in it. Um, even now as we've gotten older and have more, um, stability, I guess, like we don't replace our jewelry. We don't believe in it. And, um, I tell him now like tattoos would mean more to me than like a wedding because we never had our wedding and we've been in partnership for 11 years. And, um, I didn't change my name for three years, but I got tired because wherever I would go, people would say, if I was with him, he would say, oh, so is he, is he Mr. Rascon then? Oh, so you're Miss Rascon. So I take it he's Mr. Rascon. And I felt that was so offensive. I, I felt that that was, he, my husband never said anything about it. Like he never said like, wow, that is so disrespectful, the erasure of my last name, just because you don't carry it. Or, oh, I feel emasculated. He never said that, but I was really tired of it. And then also what you have told me about your, what you've experienced and lived through, like, that hypersexualization, like people thought he was my boyfriend or that we were just living together as my boyfriend and they would constantly like erase him because I don't have a, a diamond ring and because I didn't have his last name. Mm-hmm. So finally I hyphenated it. And, and now that we're like certified for adoption, I love that we have a common last name because, um, because of all the legal paperwork for adoption yeah. and all that stuff. Like I want us to have one family last name. Um, but that's like my compromise, right? I chose that. It wasn't imposed on me. And I was with my husband three years before I made that decision. So I was never Mrs. Um, Canales and, and until I hyphenated. And even then I'm not like people always, always refer to me by my maiden name. I love that. I, um, I want to share with all of you, and to you, Michelle, cause I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I think the time when I had gotten married, so I, it was a year after my, my assault, right? Um, I, I I got pregnant. I got pregnant like nine months nine months after my assault had happened, and then I got married a year after. So like, that's I, a lot. I had like a lot of changes, right? And I was definitely in survival mode. Like I I I legitimately almost stroked out after my babies. Like I was I was sent back to the hospital. Like I couldn't I couldn't think. I couldn't function. And I was without health insurance. So. Um, one of our community members talks about like concept of like consequences and that and that aspect is like you know what consequences are you willing to to deal with right and at that moment it's like well I wasn't willing to deal with the consequence of death so I have to like deal with the consequence of marriage and it's sad to say but I knew at that moment like I look back on it and I was never ready for it I wasn't ready for marriage mm-hmm. I wasn't like I was 
I was a survivor and I just had given birth like a month ago to my child. I had just turned 26 and I got kicked off my mom's insurance. I needed to survive. Damn, yeah. So then the pressure came because there's a lot of pressure because my partner's family is like straight, conservative, Catholic. He followed the patriarchal, like, you got to go the right way kind of thing. And it was definitely pushed upon me. But and, and I couldn't I didn't have the strength to like but you're you're trying to survive and you you and your baby were trying to survive yeah. and you were trying to make life happen for your baby yeah. and what you had to do was get on your husband's insurance plan and what you have to do to survive and to advocate for yourself is your your form of feminism and it's a negotiation and I think like that's I mean, that's why all of the waves and the spectrums are so interesting because life doesn't look the same. You know, I was supposed to be born on the other side of the border, right? That was a negotiation my mom made because she was like, I really think she should be born on this side. So my life trajectory would be completely different, which is why my research has looked at that, right? Uh, Like children raised on this side of the border who are not born on this side of the border because I wasn't supposed to be born here. But I think like, my mom made like kind of the decision you made like i have to do what's best for me and my baby you know and that is a form of feminism yes it is and it's funny because all this time i'm like it's a form of patriarchy like <laughs> you know like i had to i i had to put the blame on everything other than my own decisions and i i know i mean i know i didn't make that decision to survive like most definitely right like, i wouldn't have gone through it right but then I, I, I remember, like, going back. Because you were high risk. Yeah, yeah. I was definitely putting all this blame on, like, I don't know. Because I I capitalism. Yeah, we can't sure. speak about the patriarchy without speaking about capitalism and that how that structurally forces women into making decisions because we have, in capitalism, in a capitalist society, if you don't make money uh, to survive, you die. Right. You know, like, that's famously, like, I hate when Cornell West uses that, but it's the truth. And that in this case of health insurance, like people die without it. And like in your case, you were like a super high risk birth that without health insurance. Like I've heard of people with these like crazy birth stories, like just like yours. And it's like you pay for that the rest of your life. And I'm still paying for it. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I'm not, like, whatever, but um, you're right. You're completely right. So going back to, and it's funny how our conversations, our dialogues like loop around, right? Going back to this, this idea of advocating. And I think the takeaway that I have from this is this, this understanding of my voice and, and like teaching my daughter that you have a voice and you don't have to be, if your heart's not in it, you can vocalize that your heart's not in it. And I understand there's like survival mode cases. I get that. But I hope that, you know, okay, set the survival mode aside and just say, like, maybe it's just an everyday decision. I hope that she understands that she has her voice and that she doesn't have to please anybody other than herself. Yeah, but that that's because she's your daughter. Right. You're the magician. Yeah. Whatever she has growing older, that and if she's strong-willed and she's like, I want to be, you know, whatever, queer-presenting, um, non, you know, like non-binary, non-cis, like fluid. I don't want to marry a man. Like if she says all of those things, 
you're the magician. You're the person that she got that from because your generation took the sacrifices that you had to take so that her life will look different. But I don't think you can shame yourself for making the decisions that you made when this government literally dictates who lives or dies based on insurance premiums. And the fact of the matter is like you needed at that time to be on insurance because you're still paying for survive having survived because you are on high blood pressure medicine. So I just think that no matter I don't know. I think of like my mom and sometimes I just wish that she had had more um, fire to resist some things in her life. But at the same time, like once I, I feel like I'm still healing, I'm no longer in a phase of anger. And like as I'm healing, I'm like, well, she did the best she could with what she knew, you know, and like we can't fault moms for acting out of survival. You're right. I think about that a lot with my own mother. So that definitely resonates. For sure. No. <laughs> Chugs wine. <laughs> the WAPs. The WAPs. <laughs> um, I just want to say thanks to everyone that listens. Like, I know some of my former students listen, family. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just very grateful because we, we really just wanted to archive our conversations and, um. I I just love seeing Tiffany host this and like the things and courage that comes from her mouth. I didn't even want to be a part of it. I just wanted to edit it. (laughs) And then like, she was just like, no, this is our thing. Yeah. Co-hosted. And I want to thank our, our guests, our guests. Do you have any passages that you want to share with them or books that you're reading? Well, you know, I always have a book, honey. (laughs) I always have a book. No, I mean, hopefully we can drop some bonus episodes too because there was a couple other things we wanted to feature, but it got crazy for us. And it's a lot to coordinate my availability with Tiffany's availability, her children's schedules, and then our guests and their schedules and then their children's schedules because they're hybrid or homeschooling as well. And so I just want to thank our guests and hopefully we can drop a couple of bonus episodes to wrap this up if we have time. Yes. Yeah. I will say I loved recording this because it was an excuse for Tiffany and I to come together and bond. And um, it's just, it's just like we're in our children when we're around our friends and we get like excited to see them. And it's just very healing because it's like, we're adults, but really, we're just like really big kids. Our little children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's just I don't know. I'll I'll miss it for sure, but hopefully there'll be more episodes in the future, maybe. Yes, and I I definitely want to encourage you all. Like, do follow us on Instagram, and you know we try really hard to keep up on Facebook, but Instagram's our most popular form of. It's popular in the sense of Michelle and I spend the most time on it, form of communication. Um, and we want to say that if you have topics or questions or, you know, concerns, anything that you want to address to us, please reach out to us. We, we definitely took a little break back in September, like we had mentioned, but I check my Instagram faithfully and I definitely will be looking out for anything that you guys have to say, any suggestions. And, you know, if it's in the past that the universe has it laid out for us, we definitely want to come back and continue yeah. the second season. This was definitely a learning experience. Putting ourselves out there, being vulnerable is not easy. It isn't. And we're not scripted. We're not scripted at all. So if our episode sounds a little mumble-jumble, well. 
Yeah, I know. Tiffany cries a lot. So sometimes I would ad lib just because Tiffany would just be like sobbing and crying. And um, I quickly learned that you will say things you regret when you ad lib. And um, but I just I have a feeling we'll look back later on and we'll be like, I can't believe we did this, you know, especially yeah. because I don't know what life will look like in a year from now for my husband and I. Um, I have no idea. COVID has changed everything. I'm just glad he's alive as a as someone on the front lines as a physician in the ER. So I don't know what life will look like, but I have a feeling that I'll look back at these episodes and these recordings because it was you, because it was Jessica and the friends that we chose to to be guest. Shout out to Tanya. She's been an incredible healer and mentor to us. Um, but I have a feeling I'll just love them. It'll be like a little time capsule. The one, the one thing I want to share with you all that I, I hope you, you internalize and take away from this journey with us is that this Calipoca, the mm -hmm. reflection, it's very important. I, I share this with my students all the time. I do this all the time on the daily. And I think definitely Michelle and I in this journey with the podcast had our individual and partner this Calipocas and just to, to encourage you to keep practicing that reflection and and to not be afraid to be in those dark places. We are the light in the dark. Yes, yeah, it's definitely. And, and those dark places do open up the avenues of light. And it's really painful. But, you know, that hiatus was definitely necessary for us to move forward. Yeah, I, I learned so much about my toxic traits. And shout out to Tanya, who told us that when you put out something into the universe, um, obviously, she's an artist and a counselor. But she told us it's a mirror. Mm -hmm. So it's it's transference, it's a mirror, it's going to reflect to people what they want to see in it. And um, I just want to thank Tanya for being a mentor and a friend of the podcast and all of our mentors, officially and unofficially, you know, not to be named. And I just want to thank them all because it's true. When you put something unscripted and raw out there and you select the music, you select the edit, you clip it, you put it out there, you have no idea what people will see when they when they tune in and I just want to thank all of our guests for believing in us and just joining us definitely thank you everybody for listening in and again reach out to us yeah sure. yeah thank you everybody oh we hope to hear from you all and um we look forward to your comments <laughs>